I love what you just said because I think it's so important to emphasize like just because you're out of one person's budget doesn't mean that you're out of everyone's budget. What's up, guys, and welcome to the Imperfect Company Podcast. I'm Mariah. And I'm Arlena. We are so excited to have you. We are finally into our regular episodes every single Thursday, even though like this week isn't regular. We'll talk about it later, but we also have an additional part of the episode that we're going to share on Monday. We are super excited that, you know, we got through our launch week. We were both like so nervous about it and just waiting for it. Literally for six months, we've been waiting to launch and we finally did. So we're super excited about it. That. And I think technically it's even been longer than six months because I think we bought our mics like in November of 2020 yeah. and started recording some episodes. I think we did one or two in December mm-hmm. because I shared a photo on my stories on the first day of launch last week because I had thrown on a sweatshirt once I got home and I was filming some stories and the same sweatshirt I remembered I had been wearing in a selfie that I sent you as I was editing a podcast when Adam and I had like Uh, I don't know, 12 hour drive home or whatever we were doing from the holidays. And that was from, I think, January 3rd of 2021. So that just shows you like how long that we've been working behind the scenes. We did take a few breaks in there because we both bought houses. We moved, I had a wedding and life has been busy, but pretty much we've been working on this that whole time. And so launch week was definitely much anticipated and we're just really, really thrilled with how it's been received so far. And we just thank y'all so much. Yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, pretty proud of us because we kept it a secret for so long. Like we told like little people here and there, but really we kept it pretty under wraps. And there was only a few people that kind of guessed what was happening just based on like where we are. And like, you know, there's, I feel like a podcast is like the next logical step. I feel like it's a good next thing. So we are ready to, you know, keep going on this every Thursday. We have so many topics. You should see our like Asana board with possible topic ideas. There's just an endless amount of them. And we would love to hear from you guys too, as to what topics you want us to cover. Cause that was just us like brainstorming what possible topics we could talk about, not just like what people might want to hear. Last week, we had a question from a listener who wanted to know if we were planning to do a Facebook group or something similar. Um, And at this point, we are not planning on doing a Facebook group, at least not right now. But we wanted to just emphasize that that's kind of the beauty of what we're doing with the Imperfect Company podcast is our hopes is to facilitate conversation, not just while we're talking to you guys, because obviously these are pre-recorded and you're listening to them now, but for you to be able to share your thoughts, whether that's commenting on a post on social media, putting a story up where you're ranting or sharing your thoughts and tagging us so we can see it. You know, there are so many ways to facilitate conversation through social media and the internet. We have an email, we have a contact page on our website. You are always welcome to contact us. And yeah, so I just wanted to kind of make sure to give that little note that um, we won't have a Facebook group at this time, but we will be sure to let y'all know if that changes. And until then, we just can't wait to um, keep building our community on social media, especially Instagram is obviously both of our favorites. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of Instagram, I, I, t- I posted about it on our story. I don't know if you guys are following yet on Instagram at imperfect company. If you want to go follow, we've been working really hard and I've been trying to get out social media posts. And I put together a post that was like, our launch party starts tomorrow. And I spelled tomorrow wrong. And I, 
I'm going to tell you, I am like a stickler about spelling and grammar. So I'm so shocked that I did this, but I think it's just because when you're writing in calligraphy, sometimes you don't notice when things are spelled wrong. So it's not like, like the traditional way of writing or like typing or whatever. And so I put two M's in tomorrow. I posted that one. Yes, I did. And then Arlena messaged me and was like, uh, it's spelled wrong. And I was like, oh my God, like I quickly quickly changed it but uh it's just the beauty of you know making mistakes and stuff and I was really honest but I was didn't try to hide it I was like I spelled it wrong whoops and I'm gonna own that because people spell things wrong and we're all just human and that's part of being in business it's like it's easy to get trapped behind like your business name and being like kind of a robot but you are a human and that's the the beauty of having a small business. Right. And also, uh, we never claimed to be the perfect company podcast. We are yeah. the <laughs> imperfect company podcast for those of you who uh, maybe haven't gotten our name yet, even though we've already <laughs> said it. Um, and so, yeah, we're all about being imperfect. And like Mariah said, I think she put it perfectly. Like we're never going to hide that. In fact, we're going to talk about it because mm-hmm. we want you to know that it's completely normal. And in fact, I, oh gosh, I wish I could remember who posted about this on TikTok, and this was months ago. So if somebody happens to know the TikTok that I'm speaking of, feel free to message us on Instagram about it. But I saw a post from a creator, not in our industry. So I think this was more of like an influencer type person. But again, I I can't really remember. But they were talking about how they specifically misspell words that they know are like get people heated, right? Like there are certain words that people are like, how did you spell that incorrectly? And they were doing it because it boosts their algorithm. And they were in the creator fund on TikTok. So like the more angry comments they get, like the more (laughs) their video gets pushed. And I was like, okay, you know what? more power to you. That is genius. Like genius. That's why it's like a lot of people will post things that are bad or start bad conversations because like they want those like negative people to comment on their post and boost it, especially on TikTok. It's a huge thing because of the creator fund and because they like get money based on like number of people who comment or share or whatever. So I think that's like a genius marketing technique. And I feel like we should, we should cover that. Like like really cool, like in a future episode, like really cool, like marketing techniques that people are using out there that are uh, unique and different and special. Cause that is cool. And I'm way interested in that. Like it sounds kind of nerdy, but like all that marketing mumbo jumbo, like in the background, I'm so interested in. Yeah. And I mean, my degree background is in marketing. And so when I hear things like this, I'm like, Hey, you know what, if it fits your brand, right. If that's your brand voice, like you're casual enough to where you're not looking at yourself as an authority figure in like the grammatical or spelling arena. I mean, and even then, like it completely happens. And, you know, my first name is a great example where a lot of times when I first meet somebody or somebody is sending me an email, my name will autocorrect to Arlene. And then sometimes they immediately apologize and they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like it autocorrected. And I didn't even notice, but obviously at this point in my life, like I am so used to misspellings that I answer to like any version of my name. Um, and yeah, so I just think like, you know, even when you know what you're doing, like sometimes your phone or spell check on word is, you know, spell check isn't necessarily grammar check. And so mm-hmm. I think now it kind of is the same thing, but they used to be separate, like when I was in college. And so anyway, it's like a whole thing. And it's, you know, and tomorrow also it's like vacuum, right? Like those are words where like, I have to be very specific. Like I remember being in elementary school and like words that I struggled with spelling and tomorrow was up there on the list. Um, Mm -hmm. and I also think of the word entrepreneur because no matter how long, I mean, I've been not only working with entrepreneurs, but 
an entrepreneur myself for years now. And every time I write the word or type the word, I'm like entree, pray newer, because I need to remember how to spell it. And so, you know, it's like Wednesday, right? Like, mm-hmm. anyway, that's what I thought of automatically was, was Wednesday and, uh, that, and, um, this is a really weird one. It's because I'm from Wisconsin, uh, but one of the most popular quarterbacks from uh, Wisconsin at, in the Green Bay Packers was Favre, and he spells his name Favre. And so people like will say Favre instead just to remember how to spell it. But that's like a weird like I'm a big Packers fan. So I'm like, that was my automatic response to that <laughs> in case I couldn't get anyone northern. <laughs> Okay. This seems slightly off topic, but because you brought up sports, I think of TV and I want to talk about this because Mariah and I were scheduled to record this intro at 1 PM. And I had texted her this morning, like, Hey, actually, could we move it up? Like, I forgot I have a meeting at two and I need to prep ahead of time. So we ended up moving it up and she was like, actually, yeah, you know what? I need to be productive because I've been watching SVU for two hours. <laughs> and I was like, okay, first of all, jealous. Second of all, I have things to say, but I'm going to save it for when we hit record because I think this is a good topic. So for those of you who don't know, SVU stands for law and order SVU special victims unit. If you want to get technical about it. <laughs> Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That is right. That is right. Most people, I guess, do not know that if they don't watch the show, we are both huge lovers of SVU in general. In fact, I am such a lover of SVU that it made it not only into my vows, but also Adam's vows. And we did not coordinate our vows at all other than just like we said, like general time frame that we wanted to kind of stay in. So that way one person's weren't like twice as long as the other person, but both of us had made comments about SVU. So one of my vows specifically was that I would vow to always interpretive dance with him to the SVU theme song. (laughs) And he made the same vow. And I just think it's so funny because it shows you like, literally we do it every time it comes on. And that hasn't stopped with us being long distance. And actually when we coordinate watching episodes of SVU, we will specifically like send each other like dancing gifts at the time of the theme song, because you never, no matter what platform, Form you were watching SVU on. If you skip the SVU theme song, you are not a true fan of SVU. And that is a hill that I am willing to die on. <laughs> no, that's so true. I mean, I, I like watching it. I mean, I, right now I am re-watching the episodes for like the third time on Hulu, which is a feat in itself because there's like 20 something seasons. Uh, but I like having it on the background because majority of the time I'm not truly paying attention to what TV show I'm watching. And so SVU is a great one. Just having the background, like, you know, the occasional pop of the hottest woman alive, Mariska Hargitay. Love her. I it's just the perfect thing to have in the background while I'm working or doing whatever, but it's always there. A few months ago, I have no concept of time, y'all. So I say a few months ago, and honestly, I don't remember when it was, but I think it was a few months ago that um the Exactly Right Network launched the That's Messed Up and SVU podcast. Mariah, do you remember when that came out? I could not tell you. I uh, the past like six months or eight months or whatever have been just like I cannot tell you what happened last month. I, it's like, it's the end of June. And I'm like, what happened in May? Like, I have no idea. But I think it was like a few months ago. And I guess when it came out, isn't actually that important. I guess I just meant that like, it's a newer podcast in 
the realm of, I guess, podcasts I listen to at least. And so um, that is such a fun podcast. If you happen to be an SVU lover, it is a lot of fun for you to listen to. Even if you aren't, even if you aren't like an SVU fan, it's really interesting because like it's two comedians. They're both really funny. They both have two completely different styles of comedy and different personalities, which I find really interesting. Um, They're, I mean, it's great though. Yeah. And so in each episode at the beginning, they do some banter with each other and just catch up kind of like Mariah and I are doing right now. And then one of them like has like a synopsis of the SVU episode. And then after a quick ad break, the other one tells the story of the true crime that the episode was based off of. And then at the end of the episode, they interview somebody that was in that episode. So it's a lot of fun. And the other thing I love is that in their show notes, they'll put like what the episode is that they're doing the following week. Mm -hmm. And so although I don't actually watch the episodes because I've seen so many of them that I'm like, "Eh, I'll figure it out when it, when Mm -hmm. it, when it happens next week. Um, I do think that's so much fun for them to like be able to build a community of people that get to watch these episodes. And again, especially people who've been watching it for years and years, like we have, and who have rewatched it. Like I especially love that they hop around, like they don't go in order. Mm -hmm. And so it's so much fun to like revisit like different cast members that maybe they no longer have. And you get to like reflect on that. And speaking also another complete change of subject, but speaking of cast members of SVU, I wanted to ask you, Mariah, if you have watched Organized Crime. Okay. So I watched the like crossover where Stabler comes back and Stabler's kind of in it. And then I watched like the first few episodes of Organized Crime. But for some reason, I don't find it as interesting. And I feel like, like it's horrible to say, but like sex crimes or like special victims is way more interesting to me like with a lot of it's like sadder because it's a lot of like women and children and sexual assault but like organized crime is not as interesting to me in like the long run though I do love me some stabler and if you didn't see his like they just talked about it on that's messed up too the um like photo shoot that he did where he was wearing like that hot pink top and the green pants (laughs) It's like, he's like that. Oh, he's so hot. And he's like, he's like in his sixties. And I'm just like, damn, like amazing. I, okay. It's funny because I always forget like how long SVU has been going because, oh my gosh. Um, when they mentioned that on this most recent episode, cause I think I know the one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And when they mentioned like that he was in his sixties, I was like, hold up. No way. <laughs> No yeah. way. And I remember Googling it and being like, where has the time gone? Like, is this what, it, like, we're only in our twenties, but like, is this what it's like to get old? Because I was like, there's literally no way that this man is in his sixties, but there is a way because he is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Same with Mariska. Mariska's like almost 60 years old and her husband, Peter Herman, who I am constantly saying when people like, if like the topic comes up of who is the hottest couple in Hollywood, it's definitely Mariska Hargitay and Peter Herman. Like if you don't watch Younger, Younger is like, he's in that and he's like so hot. And then like <laughs> Mariska is just hot in general. So it's like the hottest couples ever, but they are like almost in their sixties and they still look so beautiful. And so I'm just like, <laughs> I'm never going to look like that when I'm 60. My parents came to visit me a few weeks ago, like towards the beginning of June. And when they were here, um, I actually like introduced them to organized crime. So we watched the SVU episode and then started in the crossovers. And then we ended up watching like the whole series, like the week that they were here. Like we just like binge watched it again. Cause I obviously had already watched it, Adam and I, and I absolutely loved organized crime. And it's funny because like my dad had hadn't watched SVU really. Like my mom had kind of watched it here and there, but when we started watching SVU after we had finished it, he was like, so, you know, this episode, like 
we're going to finish the crime in this episode, right? Like we're going to get to the point. It's not going to be like the whole season. So I kind of wonder if like, maybe that's what makes you like less interested in it too. Because like my dad was, I mean, he enjoyed it, but he was like less interested in it because I think it like dragged out the crime versus like in SVU, obviously not in every episode because there are plenty of cliffhangers, but in a lot of the episodes, like things start and end in the same mm-hmm. episode. And so, um, like somebody who has a shorter attention span, I think it makes more sense in their head. Although I also think I have a shorter attention span, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's weird. Cause like, I love a lot of TV shows that like will go on forever and, you know, constantly leave you on cliffhangers and not say anything about what's happening until like the very end and I love those I think it's just because like I have that connotation with SVU that like I love the shorter episodes and whatever um but I think I just need to give it another chance because like I do love Christopher Maloney and I um I like the guy who's like the head mob boss he was in um like American Horror Story. Uh I like him a lot too so I should just give it another chance because it's probably because I like was like oh but I love Stabler and uh I love like Benson and Stabler together and so I don't want to watch this because it's just Stabler and not Benson <laughs> and I prefer yeah. Benson out of the Benson and Stabler she definitely still pops up in some of the other episodes but I definitely grew to love the new cast and like how they play off of each other I also love Stabler 2.0 because sometimes when you rewatch these older episodes you're like Ooh, toxic masculinity, like Stabler, (laughs) chill. What the heck? And so much, especially unfortunately, like things that are still happening in America. We are still having issues with police brutality and just things that are unimaginable and make me sick to my stomach. And you know, you watch back these old SVU episodes and you're like, uh, okay, Mm -hmm. like. Stabler was acting that way and people found him like sexy. So Mm -hmm. I love like the Stabler 2.0 where like he has a little bit more control, like, and he's like going to therapy and he still definitely has problems, but I like that they have like toned Mm -hmm. him back. They needed to. Absolutely. And it's something that I didn't, again, I just, I don't know. I mean, I think I was just younger and like, I didn't recognize what was actually happening until now, like being older and watching those episodes. And I'm like, Oh, like, I loved you, but what, this is not, this is not what I thought it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. You get that all the time with Stabler and like, but I still love rewatching episodes. That's why that's my stop is great. Cause you can like go back to different episodes or re- just remember the episodes. So, but I'm watching SVU now. So I'm only in like season 11 or 12 or whatever. So I'm right before it, Stabler leaves, but yeah. Okay. Spoiler so that's alert. probably, yeah. That's, well, okay. That came out like 10 years ago. So if that's a spoiler <laughs> to you, like, um, anyways, uh, we have been talking about SVU now for like 10 minutes. Uh, Oops. we, we could keep talking about it forever. So if you guys like that, <laughs> let us know, but, um, we might as well get into today's episode. Uh, and we are talking all about pricing and, pricing in your business, which is really difficult. So let's get into it. When it comes to making important decisions in your business, I feel like pricing is one of the more difficult things to figure out and settle on. In today's episode, we're going to go over a little bit more about pricing, how we price our products and services, 
and how to price for your worth in a way that's going to make your business successful and grow it at the rate that you want to grow it at. First of all, let us just start off with a warning that this episode probably won't have the perfect answer for what you should charge. We would love to be able to give you an exact number for how much you should charge for your products, but that's not exactly how it works. It really depends on what your business is offering, where you are, what the cost of goods are in your area, who your ideal client is and who you want to reach with your products. There are so many different factors that go into it and everyone is going to be different with this. So even though we can't give you an exact answer, we're going to kind of go over some of the things that we've learned, strategies we've tried, and things that work for us. And hopefully you can take that and use it in your own business. I think this is a really important conversation for us to have because I think especially for those of you listening who are just starting out, it can be extremely difficult. And I still, I mean, I can think of an example where like a month ago, I texted Mariah and was asking her questions and like feeding her some of my thoughts that I was thinking as I was pitching a price to a client for a specific service that they were inquiring about. And so like she said, we can't give you the right answer because it's not going to work for everybody, but we can give you pieces of advice that we've learned along the way. Before we get into talking about pricing, I want to introduce the topic of a competitive advantage and why knowing your business's competitive advantage is so important. A competitive advantage is essentially just a sustainable strategy that you use to beat your competition. When you think about your competition, you need to really think in three categories. You have direct competitors, indirect competitors, and future competitors. When you're doing your market research and you're figuring out what type of product or what type of service that you want to offer and how you want to price that, when you know who your ideal audience is, your ideal client, then you can start figuring out a competitive advantage that works for your business and speaks to your clients. Market research is and should be a constant evolving process in your business. When you're offering a new product or you're offering a new service or you're upgrading your services, you should be looking in the market and see what other customers are seeing. You need to know who you're competing against and how to set yourself apart. I think unfortunately what we see a lot, especially in like the handmade crafty industry is business owners using underpricing as their competitive advantage. I think it's really important for us to address this at the top of the episode. I'm not saying that you can't underprice your competition but I'm just saying that for most people, it's stupid. You're a small business owner. You're not Walmart. There are so many things that we're going to talk about in this episode that you have to consider that goes into your pricing. And when you underprice yourself, you're not just hurting yourself. You're not just undercompensating yourself for your time and your effort and your talent and your worth, but you're undervaluing the entire market because the more businesses that push their prices lower and lower and lower, most of the time, those businesses are doing that by devaluing their own time. They're buying products for relatively the same price, right? You can buy wholesale. And if you have more customers, you can buy in bulk and save money, of course. But if you both buy 500 of a product and one person is selling it for $5 less, you have to consider why they're doing that. Is it because they don't include free shipping? So their customers are then paying for shipping on the back end and it ends up being roughly the same price? Or is it because they do not value their own time and they're making a dollar on a handmade product that a ton of work goes into? So I just want you to remember that. Not only are you listening to this episode worth more than the bare minimum, but take a look at your friends and your community on Instagram, on Etsy, people who listen to this podcast. And remember that when you undervalue yourself and your work, you are hurting your industry as a whole. Yeah, you want to base your prices on your actual talent and what you are offering to that customer. 
And in order to do that, you need to figure out what you value and what your client values, your client or customers. So if you value having more sales, for example, you value being busy, staying busy, cranking out a lot of orders and getting your products or your services to as many people as possible. That's one way to look at it. But what could be more important to you than just volume of sales is the amount of profit you're making and whether or not you want to make more profit every time you sell an item or you provide a service. So then you have more time and you're making usually about the same amount of money when you break it down. One factor to keep in mind here is when you think about personalization. So Mariah and I are speaking from a point where our products and our services, the majority of the time, involve some level of personalization. When you provide that value for your clients, volume of sales tends to matter less because more and more work is going into each one of those sales. So if you're somebody who has invented a product or who is mass producing a product. And I'm going to use the term mass producing on a relatively small scale. I don't mean that you've rented a warehouse to purchase thousands of products, but if you're selling t-shirts and you're printing one design on those t-shirts and you're buying them in bulk and you're not personally pressing the design onto each t-shirt, then you can charge less for a t-shirt than a business who does hand press each t-shirt who purchases them individually, because it isn't that your time is worth any less than the person who is personalizing it. It's that you're putting less time into each order. So the volume of sales makes complete sense. You don't have to be making a $10 or $20 profit on an item if it's only going to take you five to 10 minutes to wrap it in tissue paper, write a thank you card, put it in a bubble mailer and slap a label on it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think throughout this episode, it's going to be a recurring theme where Mariah and I both mention the value of your time. So keep in mind whether or not you're spending five minutes packing an order or if you're spending hours creating a customized product for your customers. We both sell on Etsy, which is, I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone knows by now, but it's this incredible marketplace of small businesses, usually it's supposed to be small businesses, who sell handmade goods and products to make handmade goods. What's great about Etsy is that so many customers visit their website that you get built-in marketing just from selling on Etsy, which is a huge benefit, especially if you don't want to build your own website and do the marketing for it. But staying competitive on Etsy can be really difficult because the market there, there's millions and millions of sellers. And so it is completely oversaturated, especially with a lot of the products that we create, like home goods, pins, stickers, ornaments, anything like that, t-shirts. You want to stay competitive, but you also, like we said, don't want to devalue your time and your work. You have to kind of find the right spot to be in where you're taking a lot of things into account and not just trying to beat the lowest price that someone has on Etsy. Like there's some people who charge only a couple bucks for something that they should definitely be charging more than $20 for. And that's just not practical especially on Etsy where they have a set amount of fees. When you're selling something small or cheap, they can really add up quickly. And so you have to take all of those little pieces into account. The fees are one thing. Another big thing on Etsy is shipping prices. 
And shipping is super expensive. I know I was like super surprised at how expensive shipping was when I started my Etsy. And you still get customers who complain about the shipping prices. You have to take all those things into account if you're going to price your item in the right way. And I know that sounds daunting to not only price for your value and how much money you want to be making at the end of the day, but also staying competitive where there are thousands of other sellers who the customer could possibly go buy from instead of you. And I know that when we talk about shipping, I mean, I am just as guilty. I feel like I joke all the time that Amazon has ruined me because I have unrealistic shipping expectations. I do my best to get my orders out as quickly as possible. But when you're the sole owner of your business, then you're the one person, you're the manpower behind it, right? You're the one packing the orders, prepping the orders and getting them out the door. And so you need to be patient, not just with other sellers that you purchase from, but on yourself, because you need to make sure that you're showing yourself grace. And there are certain factors that are completely out of your control when it comes to shipping. So let's talk about the juicy stuff and talk a little bit about what we consider when we personally do our pricing for our business. We're not going to be getting too specific in this podcast, but we will have resources at the end of this episode where you can go if you are looking for Mariah and I to share more specific examples, as well as a free download to help you as you start to price your own products and services. I think that we have a very similar view on pricing. So Mariah, why don't you go ahead and break down that formula that we both use and we kind of tweak it depending on if it's a product or a service, but I think this is a great starting point. When people come to me and ask me, hey, I'm trying to price this thing, this product or the service, how do you come up with your pricing? How do I know that it's the right price? And although this is super generic, this should be a ho hopefully a helpful little formula for you to figure out the basics of what you need to be charging and what you need to be taking into account. So first, I start with materials. Materials are a big factor, especially with product-based businesses. They include all the materials that go into actually creating the product, the things that you use that you don't even think about. Like, for example, for my keyboards, my materials would be the actual keyboards, the vinyl that I use, a little bit for the Cricut that I had to buy, plus all of the things that I need to wrap that product and ship it out, like bubble wrap boxes, all of that. All of those things go into my material cost. Then you add on shipping cost. If you're including shipping cost in the cost of your product, some people choose to just have it as a separate cost. If you are choosing to charge for shipping, you want to add that cost in. Some people charge, some people don't. Whether or not you want to include that, that's your decision, but you need to put that in there. I always say that free shipping, when you say free shipping to a customer, it's not free. It's included. If you don't include that cost in your final price when you're paying for shipping, it's just going to throw off your entire profit. So be careful with that. Next, you want to take into account any fees that you have to pay. That's going to be totally determined on where you are selling, what you are selling. So you want to make sure you do that research ahead of time as to what fees are going to go into the cost of your item. And then finally, you want to account for your labor cost. I set a, an hourly rate for my time. I use that to determine my labor cost. And it's super important to charge something for your labor cost because that is how you value your time. Not only are you valuing your work, but your time especially is super valuable. So you want to set an hourly rate that makes sense for you and your business. 
remember that this is just a general formula. So you'll want to take a look at the research that you've done on the fees that you'll have. You'll want to consider the cost of doing business in your specific geographic area. Think about the taxes that you're going to owe, whether that's sales tax, that's self-employed taxes. Mariah and I cannot recommend enough taking the time to meet with an accountant because they're going to have all of the specifics on your specific area. Because in the United States, there are federal regulations, there are state regulations, there are city regulations, there are county regulations. So it really can vary and it's complicated. And that's why we highly recommend paying a professional for their time because it will save you so much stress and heartache, we promise. So just make sure to be adding that into your fees as well. I feel like almost every episode, I have to ask you a question about the stationery industry because I am just clueless when it comes to most of it. But I know that a lot of our audience is in the stationary industry and they can really benefit from hearing more about your pricing process. And I know that you personally charge a different hourly rate on Etsy versus for things like stationary or your branding process. And so how did you kind of do that, right? How did you find like a range of pricing? Do you have a minimum pricing? You know, share a little bit more with the listeners kind of about what that process looked like. Yeah, so it's really important in my business to separate the different offerings that I do have and figure out how to price them in a way that makes sense for me, that makes sense for that specific industry. And that's why I definitely charge a different hourly rate for Etsy versus even versus stationary versus branding. Stationary and branding, even I have a kind of a different hourly rate. When it comes to Etsy, I have my basics, my minimum that I charge. And usually that has a lot to do with staying competitive on Etsy, where I don't undervalue myself and charge so little for my hourly rate, but I do charge a little bit less with Etsy. I didn't have to do as much in terms of educating myself, in terms of the products that I need. All of those things come into play when I talk about stationery and branding pricing. For example, I have to use the Adobe Suite for all of my stationery and branding that costs money. And not only did I have to pay for the products, but I had to learn how to use those products. And I have a very specific skill set that lends itself to that branding and stationary product that not everyone might have. So I take into account my talents and what I can offer people that's different than others who may be offering a similar product. So what I did to find that range of pricing, it's taken a lot of experiment with charging too little and then realizing later I should have charged way more for that or it's taking me way more time. I cannot be charging that little. So my range of pricing has really evolved as my business has grown. And an example of that is recently I increased the prices of my branding work. And so my my range of pricing went up in terms of my hourly rate, especially for branding work, because I felt like it was time to increase my pricing. And I had a lot of reasons for wanting to increase my prices, but the biggest one being that the more clients I had, the more of an expert in my field I became and the more I had to offer to future clients. If you're listening to this and you feel like you're at a crossroads with your business and you feel like it might be time to increase your pricing, but you're kind of looking for some validation and trying to figure out how to evolve your pricing, how to release new pricing, what are the signs that you should increase your pricing? 
Mariah and I are going to release a bonus episode early next week. So you can expect to see it in just a few days. It's going to be a shorter episode where we really dive into what Mariah is talking about here and her increase in her branding prices and the signs and how she knew that it was time in a little bit more detail. And we're confident that those of you who are feeling unsure that the bonus episode is going to be able to bring you a lot of clarity. Now that we've gone over how to set your pricing or a general idea of how to set your pricing, now let's talk about the biggest question that I get asked that a lot of people ask in general, should you be adding your pricing to your website or social media or not? We want to go into that a little bit and talk about how we both feel on that topic because I feel like most people have a very strong opinion about this one. Some people are very much on the side of, yes, add your pricing to everything. And some people are adamant that they don't want their pricing just on their website. I agree 110% that people generally have very strong opinions one way or the other. I definitely have my personal strong opinion, but I understand why people do it both ways. And at the time that most of you are listening to this episode, Adam and I are probably already married. But at the time we're recording this episode, we are still in the wedding planning process. And that has been one of the most frustrating experiences from my perspective with wedding planning is so many vendors in the wedding industry hide their pricing and they want you to reach out, which again, I completely understand why they want to have your contact information. They want to tailor an experience for you. But I love at least having, if not actual pricing, a a range of pricing. And one example that I can give of this was when I was wedding dress shopping. And when I was looking at places to shop for a wedding dress, I was so thankful for all of the dress shops that specifically put on their budget and like, and like how much their ideal bride has in their budget and what their dresses start at or go up to, because I was not going to walk into a place that didn't have dresses in my budget so that I could end up heartbroken. And so that was something that was really frustrating to me. And so I know that Mariah, you have all of your pricing on your website. I respect that so much because I know that as a customer, I want to know pricing or I at least, like I said, want to know a range in pricing. I want to know if I can even afford the service or the product that I'm looking at. Yeah, I am very upfront about my pricing and I definitely don't hide it. I keep it all out on my website. So the people who come to my website and want to know more about me and possibly could hire me, I want them to know what to expect. And as a personal preference, I really don't want to have to constantly sift through emails from people who want to know my pricing and then completely ghost me immediately because I'm way over budget. So to avoid that, I put all of my pricing down. For branding, it's a set price. For most of my stuff, for all my branding packages, it's a set price. Anything that's a set price is directly on my website. You can see it right away. You don't have to download anything or email me. And then anything that is really dependent, kind of like my stationary work, especially like wedding invitations, it really depends on what you want and what add-ons you want. So I do custom quotes for those, but it, but I put my base price down. So anyone who comes to me knows exactly what to expect. And if I'm over budget for them, then they just don't reach out. And that's fine with me because I'm not in everyone's budget. I love what you just said, because I think it's so important to emphasize, like just because you're out of one person's budget doesn't mean that you're out of everyone's budget. So I know that you have safeguards in place to kind of avoid the conversation, but I'm sure you've had it before. So what is kind of your advice to our listeners who might be dealing with somebody who says that they're too expensive? So like Arlena said, just because you're out of one person's budget does not mean you're out of every single person's budget. It really depends. And budgets vary so greatly. Like think about 
The example that I feel like everyone uses, all business owners use, is the Tiffany & Co. paperclip. They sell a paperclip on their website that is like $1,500, and it's just a paperclip. It looks exactly the same as the paperclip that you get for $1 at the office supply store, but obviously that's in someone's budget, and just because it's not in your budget doesn't mean that someone's not going to buy it. So if someone comes to you, and, and I've had this happen before, someone comes to me and says, oh, wow, your prices are way beyond what I can pay. I usually, you know, I kill people with kindness. I say something along the lines of, well, if your budget ever changes, then you let me know. Like, I would love to work with you, but I completely understand. And I hope you have a great day and you find what you're looking for in your budget. Like, super nice. Don't get disheartened by someone saying that you're out of their budget because I can guarantee you that there are plenty of people who have a budget for what you're offering. And while you were talking, I started to Google the paperclip from Tiffany because I, I laugh every time I look at it. But like you said, it, it really is the best example of the value that they provide. So I want to read to you how Tiffany describes this product. First, I want to mention that Tiffany artisans transform utilitarian items into handcrafted works of art. Okay. That is how we arrived at this paperclip. Here is the product description. <clears throat> An oversized paperclip is reimagined in 18 karat gold as a whimsical bookmark. <laughs> That's so perfect. Like whoever does their marketing is like, I agree that their copywriting and their marketing philosophy is genius and they have a timeless brand and it works for them. I wish that I had like an inside contact at Tiffany so I could figure out like how many of these paper clips they sell a year just because I am like genuinely curious. <laughs> I digress. I know that we are at the end of this episode. And so I just want to close this episode by reminding you to charge what you're worth. Mariah and I have talked a lot this episode episode about valuing your time. But remember that we're speaking from experience and our specific businesses. And so it goes back to knowing your competitive advantage and knowing your mission and your vision and your values and knowing the direction that your business wants to go. If your customers value affordability, they probably aren't looking for a highly customized brand experience. But if they are looking for a highly customized brand experience, then they're probably looking in a more moderate price range. So keep that in mind and remember that no one pricing strategy works, but hopefully this gave you a bit more insight and we're really excited for you guys to listen to the bonus episode next week and we can't wait to hear your thoughts and don't close out of this episode without visiting the description so that you can click a direct link to a video of Mariah and I going through our general pricing formula specific examples in both of our businesses and a free download to help you on your own journey okay well we will talk to you in a couple days and we hope you have a wonderful weekend bye y'all bye bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Imperfect Company. For more resources on pricing and a free download, please go to our website. You can go to imperfectcompanypodcast.com slash episode four. And we'll be sharing some more resources on Instagram too. So make sure to follow us there at Imperfect Company and then also at Imperfect Company Podcast on Facebook. If you like today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. We really appreciate that. And if you're interested in following either of us separately, you can follow me at MJ Creative Co. You can follow Arlena at Bossy Brushstrokes. Our music and theme song is Clocks by Brasco. And we'll see you guys on Monday for our pricing mini-sode. <laughs>